يا أيها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا أيها الذين آمنوا تقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يتع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهجه محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم والشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة we continue with the explanation of the 40 hadith of Imam An-Nawawi rahimahullah ta'ala. And we are still with the narration of Umar ibn Khattab radiyallahu an. Qala sami'atu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yakul innama al-a'mal bin-niyyat wa innama likul amri'in ma nawa faman kanat hijratuhu ilallahi wa rasulihi فَهِجْرَتُهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ فَمَنْ كَانَتْ هِجْرَتُهُ لِدُنْيَا يُصِيبُهَا أَوْ امْرَأَةً يَنْكِحُهَا فَهِجْرَتُهُ إِلَى مَا هَاجَرَ إِلَيْهِ Imam bin Khattab radiyallahu an, he stated, I heard the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say, Indeed, the actions are based upon the intentions. And every individual shall have that which he intended. Therefore, whoever's migration was to Allah and His Messenger, then his migration was to Allah and His Messenger. And whoever's migration was to attain a worldly matter, or to marry a woman, or to take a woman's hand in marriage, then his migration is to that which he migrated to. This narration is collected by Al-Imam Al-Bukhari, rahimahullah ta'ala, and likewise, Al-Imam Muslim. We covered in the last class the importance of this narration as it is one of the proofs for the foundation Al-Umur bi-maqasidiha, that matters are based upon their intentions. And this is one of the major uh, principles of jurisprudence in Islam That matters are based upon the intentions and, But we also covered that Having good intentions Is not enough In order for a person's action to be accepted by Allah Having pure intentions is one of the conditions That's needed 
for the action to be accepted by Allah. And the other condition is that it has to be done in accordance to the teachings of Islam. As Allah Azza wa Jal, He mentions, فَمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُوا لِقَاءَ رَبِّهِ فَلْيَعْمَلْ عَمَلًا صَالِحًا وَلَا يُشْرِكْ بِعِبَادَةِ رَبِّهِ أَحَدًا Therefore, whoever hopes with the meeting with his Lord, then let him work righteous actions. The scholars have explained, and from them, the likes of Al-Hafidh ibn Kathir in his tafsir of this verse, that let him work righteous actions, meaning following the Messenger This is the good action. And let him not associate anyone in the worship of his Lord. This is the sincerity. So in order for the action to be accepted by Allah, it has to be done sincerely for the sake of Allah and in accordance to the teachings of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Likewise, the statement of Allah azza wa jal, "وَمَن يُسْلِمْ وَجَهَهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَهُوَ مُحْسِنٌ فَقَدْ اسْتَمْسَكَ بِالْعُرْوَةِ الْوُفْقَى." That whoever submits his face to Allah and he is a good doer, he has grabbed hold to the firm handhold. Here, whoever submits his face to Allah. That's the sincerity. Meaning the person does the deed sincerely for the sake of Allah. And he is a good doer, meaning he is one who follows the sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad wasallam. This is being one who is a good doer, following the teachings of the Prophet Muhammad wasallam. Also, we have the Hadith Al-Qudsi, where Allah Azza wa Jal stated, "Ana agna shurakai an shirk. Man amila amalan ashraka fihi ma'i ghayri taratuhu wa shirka." Allah Azza wa Jal He stated, "I'm the most independent of having partners associated with me. Therefore, whoever associates or whoever does an action in which he associates other than me with me in that action, I abandon him and I abandon his shirk." So that shows the importance of sincerity. Then you have the hadith of Aisha, which we'll be covering once we reach there, bi-idhnillahi ta'ala, where she mentioned that the Prophet wasallam said, مَنْ amila amalan لَيْسَ alayhi amruna فَهُوَرَدْ That whoever does an action that does not have our affair in accordance to it, or our, it's not in accordance to our affair, or our affair over it, meaning it's not governed by Islam. It's rejected. So one should not read the hadith of Umar ibn Khattab and then think that having good intentions is sufficient. And that's all you have to do is have a good intention. So if your intentions are good but your speech is bad, it's accepted because your intentions are good. No, this is not correct. Or your intentions are good but your actions are bad. This is going to be accepted because your intentions are good. No, this is not correct. Allah Azza wa Jal, He mentions, إِنَّمَا يَتَقَبَّلَ اللَّهُ uh, Indeed, Allah, He only accepts from the people who have taqwa. And the scholars explain, the mutaqeen, they are the mukhlisin, they are the people who have ikhlas. And they are muttabi'een al-rasul, sallallahu alayhi wa They are the ones who follow the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So when Allah says, He only accepts from the people who have taqwa, meaning He only accepts from those who have sincerity, and those who are followers of the Prophet ﷺ. Even this hadith itself is an indication of these two uh, conditions. Look what the Prophet says. 
فمن كانت هجرته إلى الله ورسوله فهجرته إلى الله ورسوله whoever's migration is to Allah and his messenger then his migration is to Allah and his messenger what does it mean? whoever's migration is to Allah meaning done sincerely for Allah and to the messenger meaning following the messenger because ibadah is not for the Prophet sallallahu can't worship the messenger making hijrah to the Prophet sallallahu is ibadah for Allah and it is following the Prophet sallallahu one doesn't make hijrah to Medina, to the Prophet ﷺ, to worship the Prophet ﷺ. One, at the time, made hijrah to Medina, following the command of the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ. So here you have both issues. The person is doing it sincerely for Allah, and he is following the Messenger ﷺ in doing so. We left off with the statement of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. وَمَنْ كَانَتْ هِجْرَتُهُ لِدُنْيَا يُصِيبُهَا وَمَمْرَأَةً يَنْكِهُهَا فَهِجْرَتُهُ إِلَى مَا هَجْرَ إِلَيْهُ That whoever's migration was to attain a worldly matter or to take a woman's hand in marriage, and then his migration is to that which he migrated to. Here, this aspect of the hadith, or this portion of the hadith, deals with the one who does a legislative act, but is not done for the sake of Allah. Outwardly is correct. Outwardly, it has the image of being ibadah. However, inwardly, the person does not intend Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by the act. So the Prophet is saying that the act is not accepted. How do we understand that? His statement, فَهِجْرَتُهُ إِلَى مَا هَجْرَ His migration is to what he migrated to. He didn't say, فَهِجْرَتُهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ Like he mentioned in the first portion of the hadith. His migration is to what he migrated to. So if his migration, which is outwardly a religious act, but he's doing it for the attainment of a worldly matter, then that's what his migration is to. That worldly matter. There's no reward in it. From Allah, and there's no following of the Prophet in that affair. Why? Because the Prophet has commanded that we be sincere in our worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We also see that one of the things that's an obstacle between the worshipper and sincerity is the dunya. The dunya can corrupt your intentions. So this is why it's very important that we be aware of this dunya and understand its reality. As Allah Azza wa Jal, He mentions, وَمَا الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا إِلَّا مَتَاعُ الْغُرُوبِ And the life of this world is nothing but a commodity that is a deception. The life of this world is nothing but a commodity that is a deception. 
The life of this world, barakallah feekum, it distracts the people from the reality of affairs. The life of this world distracts people from the reality of affairs. What does the life of this world do to an individual? It makes him have a desire for it more than the akhirah. As Allah mentions, بَلْ تُؤْثِرُونَ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةُ خَيْرٌ وَأَبْقَى But you prefer the life of this world, but the hereafter is better and more lasting. The life of this world is a lot of glitter, glamour. The life of this world is like the lights, cameras, actions. It catches the attention of the servant. But if the servant is not careful... He can be distracted and led astray. Because he'll be chasing after the dunya at the expense of his religion. And then once he looks up, he spent 20, 30, 40 years chasing the dunya. He never made hajj. 20, 30, 40 years chasing the dunya. He wasn't consistent in making his salah because he's too busy working trying to. But they say, get rich or die trying. Right? <laughs> This is the model of the people of the dunya. And you have, unfortunately, some Muslims, they get caught into this vicious, you know, uh, whirlwind of chasing the dunya. And it's just going around and around and around and around until Malakul Mot comes and then it's over. And all of this time wasted chasing after something that was decreed to perish and end. What the Prophet ﷺ, he mentioned regarding the life of this world. لَوْ تَزِنُوا حَيَاتُ الدُّنْيَا بِجَنَاحِ الْبَعُوضَةِ مَا سَقَ اللَّهُ كَافِرًا مَاءً أو كما قال صلى الله عليه وسلم وَقَطْرَةَ الْمَاءً that if the life of this world was equal to the wing of a mosquito, a wing, if the life of this world was equal to the wing of a mosquito, Allah would not have given the disbelievers a drink of water, not a, or a drop of water. But the dunya is insignificant to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so Allah gives the dunya to those who believe and to those who disbelieve. Having the dunya is not an indication that a person is upon uprightness. Whoever believes that having the dunya is an indication that he is upon uprightness, although he is a wicked individual, not worshipping Allah, the way Allah commanded, this individual has the misconceptions of Fir'aun. Because when Musa came to him, Calling him to Allah, what was what was Fir'aun's response? That I have all the palaces, the rivers flowing under. I, I I'm I'm in control of Egypt. I'm in control of the land. Basically, using his worldly possessions as a proof that he is the one who is upon the truth, and Musa is upon falsehood because he doesn't have what he has of riches. But the reality is, who was upon the truth? Musa alayhi salam. Musa didn't own the palaces and the lands and have the big army. Fir'aun had that. But Musa, he came with the truth from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
So who, who's upon the truth, who's not upon the truth, who is upon goodness, who's not upon goodness with Allah, it has nothing to do with the dunya. So don't measure religious uh, progress, religious success upon how much money a person may have. Religious success is based upon the worship of the person. That the person is consistent in worshiping Allah. That the person is obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is a person who is successful. Successful indeed are who? The believers. So one should not allow the life of this world to deceive the individual when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as they have the old saying, put the dunya into your hand and not into your heart. Because when the dunya is in your hand, you control it. But when it's within your heart, it controls you. We have, barakallahu feekum, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam addressing the people regarding the life of this world. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he said, Ya ayyuhal nas, inna wa'dallahi haqq. فَلَا تَغُرَنَّكُمْ الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا The Prophet ﷺ, he mentioned, O people, indeed, the promise of Allah is true. Indeed, the promise of Allah is true. Afwan, that's the ayah from the Qur'an, excuse me. يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ إِنَّ وَعْدَ اللَّهِ حَقْ فَلَا تَغُرَنَّكُمُ الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا وَلَا يَغُرَنَّكُمْ بِاللَّهِ الْغُرُورِ It's the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I said the statement of the Prophet. That was a mistake. O mankind, indeed the promise of Allah is true. So do not allow the life of this world to deceive you. And do not allow the chief deceiver to deceive you about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The scholars, they say, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing mankind, informing them that His promise is true. What promise? The promise of death. The promise of death is a true promise. The promise of being resurrected on the day of judgment is a true promise from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The promise of reward and punishment on the day of judgment is a true promise. The promise that there will be people who will go into the paradise and remain there forever, and there will be people who will go into the hellfire. The promise of Allah is true. So do not allow the life of this world to deceive you, meaning regarding this promise of Allah. Meaning that the life of this world makes you forget the promise, or make you think that the promise is not going to come. I'm a young man, I'm 20 years old, I feel like I'm going to live forever. I have a, I have a lot of time to enjoy life. Who says you're going to live tomorrow? Yes, you're 20 years old, but you can die tomorrow. 
there's no uh, specific age for people who die. Yes, the Prophet ﷺ, he said, أَعْمَارْ هَذِهِ الْأُمَّةِ بَيْنَ السَّتِينَ وَالسَّبِعِينَ السَّنَةِ وَقَلِيلٌ مَنْ يُجَاوِزُهَا Yes, it's the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, that the average age of this nation is between 60 and 70 years. Few people go beyond it. Yes, that's what the hadith says, and it's true. But meaning that the majority of the people from this ummah, they die in between 60 and 70. But that doesn't mean you can't die before 60. That doesn't mean that. So don't allow the life of this world to deceive you regarding the promise of Allah of death. That promise is a true promise. And don't let the chief deceiver deceive you. Who's the chief deceiver? Iblis, shaitan. Because he is the one who's trying to divert the people from the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah azza wa jalla, he's calling out to mankind to be mindful and not allow themselves to be deceived by the life of this world or to be deceived by the shaitan. Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam he mentioned or to take a woman's hand in marriage. And we covered that There was an individual in the time of the Prophet ﷺ by the name of Muhajir Um Qais. And he received that name because he migrated for the purpose of marrying a woman by the name of Um Qais. As is coming in the narration on Abdullah bin Mas'ud. هَاجَرَ رَجُلٌ لِيَتَزَوَّجْ إِمْرَأَةً يُقَالُ لَهَا أُمْ قَيْسٍ وَكَانَ يُسَمَّ مُهَاجِرَ أُمِّ قَيْسٍ That there was an individual who migrated for the purpose of marrying a woman. And this woman's name was Umm Qais. So he was named Muhajir Umm Qais, meaning the one who migrated for the purpose of marrying Umm Qais. And some have mentioned that this was the reason behind the Prophet ﷺ making this statement. However, that which is correct, that it is not authentically established that this is the reason for this hadith, although the hadith is applicable to that situation. The hadith also shows the seriousness of the fitna of women. Because, as we mentioned, women are from the dunya. As the Prophet sallallahu he said, "Adunya mata' wa khairu mata' adunya al-mar'atu saliha." That the life of this world is a commodity, but the best commodity of this world is the righteous woman. So the woman is from the dunya. But why did the Prophet sallallahu mention the woman separately after mentioning the dunya generally, due to the great fitna that she can cause upon a person's religion? So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he mentioned, مَا تَرَقْتُ بَعْدِ فِتْنَةً أَدَرُ أَوْ شَرُ عَلَى الرِّجَالِ مِنَ النِّسَاءِ Or كَمَا قَالَ sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He stated that I have not left a trial or a fitna more harmful or more severe upon the men than the women. So we as men, ikhwan, we have to be careful 
when dealing with women. Because a woman can take a man that's strong-minded and lead him astray. Man comes to the masjid, prays five times a day. Man, Allah has blessed him to make hajj, make umrah every year. Allah, and man, Allah was blessed the man to be someone he fasts Ramadan. Allah blessed the man to be someone he pays the zakat. And on and on and on from the good deeds. And then he meets that woman and she lead him astray. It happens. So the Prophet ﷺ specifically mentioned this as a warning. Does this mean all women are evil? No. We have women that are from the best of the women. And these are the righteous women. The women who fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The women who preserve their privacy, their chaste. These are the best of the women. As the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, that the best of this dunya is the righteous woman. And the Prophet ﷺ mentioned uh, to marry the righteous woman. Right? فَنْقِحْ بِذَاتِ الدِّينِ تَرِبَتْ yadak. Marry the woman who was righteous and may your hands be covered with, with dust. Many, many blessings come to you. So yes, there are good women that are alive. There are good women that walk this earth. The hadith is not speaking about those type of women. Because the good woman is not going to be one who's going to put a man into trial regarding his relationship with Allah. Rather, a good woman, she's going to be the one to encourage the man to worship Allah, to be obedient to Allah. This is the characteristics of a righteous woman. And that if a man was to approach her for indecency, she's going to refuse. This is the characteristics of a righteous woman. And when the man, if a man was to marry her, she's going to be a blessing in his life. When he looks at her, he's pleased with her. When he commands her to do something, she obeys. This is the best of the woman, as the Prophet ﷺ mentioned. A woman who is obedient, who aids you in your religion. It's the best of this dunya. So be mindful, Ikhwan, that when you are searching for a wife, that you pick a woman who is righteous, a woman who is religious, who worships Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a woman who has integrity. Don't just look at beauty. Don't just look at status. Don't just look at lineage. Because a woman can have those three things, but she doesn't have religion. She's going to be a headache for you. Because those aspects are temporary. And only have bearings in the dunya. But the deen is for the dunya and for the akhirah. She's rich today and then she loses all her money tomorrow. Now what? You're going to leave? She's beautiful today, she has a bad accident, her face, she burns up and she got caught in a fire, her face is disfigured. Now what, you're going to leave? But the religious woman who is religious obeys Allah, as that remains with her. Because what's for Allah, it lasts. So one must be careful and be mindful when it comes to this affair. From the benefits of this narration... Number one, actions are based upon intentions. And what the person intends, that which the person is going to get. Second benefit, the scholars say that it's not possible for a person to do an act except that there is an intention behind it. Because the prophet said, actions are based upon intention. So when a person does an action, a person makes a statement, 
there is an intention behind it. Uh, the third benefit, we covered that the place of the intentions is in the heart. As for verbally expressing your intentions before worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like a person raises his hands and says, I intend to make Salatul Maghrib and Masjid such and such, behind Imam such and such. This is from the affairs of innovation in the religion. The Prophet sallallahu himself never did this. The scholars uh, differ as to the matter of Hajj and Umrah. Because when a person goes into the state of Ihram, he says, لَبَيْكَ اللَّهُمَّ Hajj or لَبَيْكَ اللَّهُمَّ Umrah. Is this a verbal mentioning of the intention? Some ulama say this is the exception to the rule. Others say, no, and from them Shaykh Uthaymeen, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, no, this is not verbally mentioning the intentions. Rather saying, لَبَيْكَ اللَّهُمَّ Hajj or لَبَيْكَ اللَّهُمَّ Umrah is similar to saying, Allahu Akbar, to enter into the salat. This is how you enter into that act of ibadah. By saying, لَبَيْكَ اللَّهُمَّ Hajj. That's how you enter into the state of ihram. And it's not so much of verbally mentioning one's intentions. Another benefit, barakallahu fikum, the intentions distinguish between affairs. From them, who is the act being done for? Is it being done for Allah? Or is it being done for the dunya? Is it being done for Allah? Or is the act being done to attain the praise of the people and the recognition of the people? The intention is that which distinguishes between this affair. Also, the intentions distinguish between obligatory acts and other obligatory acts. In the example that was given, a person who's traveling, and he is combining between Dhuhr and Asr. Both of the prayers outwardly look the same, and they're prayed the same way. But now, what distinguishes the Dhuhr between the Asr? The intentions. The intentions. Likewise, the intentions distinguish between obligatory acts and recommended acts. Like an individual who comes into the masjid, let's say he missed Salat al-Fajr in a congregation. He comes into the masjid and he prays to Raqqa. Is he praying Fajr or Tahiyat al-Masjid? The intention will distinguish between that. Or a person, uh, he has zakat money to pay. And then he has money for sadaqah. Both is $1,000. He gives the $1,000 to one individual, the other $1,000 to another individual. Which one is the zakat? Which one is the sadaqah? The intentions distinguish between the affairs. Also the intentions distinguish between acts of worship and then customary acts. Every day, you find people, they take four baths. They wash their entire bodies, rinse their mouth out, they know they take four baths. But now is the day of Jumu'ah. And the person does it. Is he taking that four bath because it's Jumu'ah? Or is he taking the four bath because this is what he does every day normally? The intention is going to distinguish between these affairs. Another benefit... It's very important that one uh, is careful when it comes to his heart. The heart is called qalb in the Arabic language. But it also has the meaning of something that constantly turns. 
the qalb flips, it turns. And you have the dua, Ya muqallib al-qulub, thabbit qalbi ala deenik. O turner of the hearts, establish my heart upon your religion. Because the heart today is sincere, tomorrow is not. Right now, you seek in the face of Allah, somebody walks in the masjid, you're trying to impress, the intentions change. So one has to constantly regulate and be over the heart, constantly making this dua for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to establish the heart. From the benefits of this narration, acts of worship have to be done for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and following the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. From the benefits of this narration, whoever does an act of worship but is not done for the sake of Allah, it is rejected. And it is rewarded according to the intent. So if the person's intent was a worldly affair, then that's his reward. If the person's intent was to take a woman's hand and marry, that's his reward. Uh, another point, and the last point, is that the principle that this hadith, or that is extracted from this hadith, is al-umur bi maqasidiha. The matters are based upon their intentions. قال المؤلف رحمه الله تعالى الحديث الثاني عن عمر رضي الله عنه أيضا قال بينما نحن جلوس عند رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ذات يوم اطلع علينا رجل شديد بياد الثياب شديد سواد الشعر لا يرى عليه أثر السفر ولا يعرفه منا أحد حتى جلس إلى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فأسند ركبتيه إلى ركبتيه فوضع كفيه على فخذيه وقال يا محمد أخبرني عن الإسلام فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الإسلام أن تشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وأن محمدا رسول الله وتقيم الصلاة وتؤتي الزكاة وتصوم رمضان وتحج البيت إن استطعت إليه سبيلا قال صدقت قال فعجبنا له يسأله ويصدقه قال فأخبرني عن الإيمان قال أن تؤمن بالله وملائكته وكتبه ورسله واليوم الآخر وتؤمن بالقدر خيره وشره قال صدقت قال فأخبرني عن الإحسان قال أن تعبد الله كأنك تراه فإن لم تكن تراه فإنه يراك قال فأخبرني أن الساعة قال ما المسؤول عنها بأعلم من السائل قال فأخبرني أن أمراتها قال أن تلد الأمة ربتها وأن ترى الحفاة العرات العالة رياء الشائية تطاولون في البنيان ثم انطلق فلبثت مليا ثم قال يا عمر أتدري من السائل قلت الله ورسوله أعلم قال فإنه جبريل أتاكم يعلمكم دينكم رواه مسلم This next narration is also on the authority of Umar ibn Khattab رضي الله عنه and we cover something from the biography of Umar ibn Khattab with the first narration He stated, radiallahu One day we were sitting with the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 
And there came upon us a man whose garment was extremely white and his hair was extremely black. And the traces of traveling were not apparent upon him. And no one from amongst us knew him. And then he came and he sat next to the Prophet ﷺ. And he put his knees up to the knees of the Prophet. And he placed his hands upon his thighs. He said, oh, O oh Muhammad ﷺ, inform me about Islam. The Messenger of Allah ﷺ said, Al-Islam is that you testify that none has the right to be worshipped except for Allah. And that Muhammad ﷺ is the Messenger of Allah. And that you establish the prayer, and that you pay the zakat, and that you fast Ramadan, and that you make the pilgrimage to the house if you have the ability to do so. The man, he said, you have spoken the truth. Umar, he said, we were amazed that he would ask him the question and then afterwards confirm that he spoke the truth. The man, he said, therefore inform me about al-iman. Tell me about faith. The Messenger wasallam said, faith is that you believe in Allah, his angels, his books, his messengers, the last day, and that you believe in the divine decree, the good of it and the bad of it. The man said, you have spoken the truth. Then he said, inform me about al-ihsan, like perfection and worship. The Messenger wasallam said that you worship Allah as if you see him. And although you do not see him, then for sure you know he sees you. The man, he said, inform me about the hour, meaning the day of judgment. The Messenger wasallam said, the one who is being asked about it, meaning himself, does not know more than the one who is asking. The man, he said, then inform me about its signs. The Prophet ﷺ said, that the servant girl gives birth to her master. And that you see the barefooted, naked sheep herders competing in the construction of tall buildings. And then the man left. Umar said, I remained there for some time. And then the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam he said, Oh Umar, do you know who the questioner was? Umar he said, I said Allah and His Messenger knows best. The Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam he said, Indeed, it was Jibreel, he came to teach you your religion. This hadith is known as Ummu Sunnah, the mother of the Sunnah. Similar to Surah Al-Fatiha being known as Ummul Qur'an. That's one of the names of Surah Al-Fatiha. Ummul Qur'an or Ummul Kitab. Why is Fatiha named Ummul Kitab, the mother of the book? The scholars, they say, because all of the meanings of the Qur'an return back to Fatiha. Because the Qur'an, it consists of the Tawheed of Allah, worshipping Allah alone. The Qur'an consists of the Qasas, the stories of the previous nations. And the Qur'an consists of the Ahkam, the rules and regulations. 
All three are present in Surah Al-Fatiha. When we say Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, all of the praise is due to Allah, but that's His worship. All of the praises for Allah. Say Ibadah. Iyaka na'budu wa iyaka nasta'in. Ibadah. You alone Allah, we worship you alone, we seek help. As for the qasas, the stories dealing with the people of the past, Ihdina sirat al-mustaqeem, sirat al-ladina an'amta alayhim. Guide us to the straight path, the path of those whom your favor is upon. That includes the people from the previous nations. Who upon righteousness Allah mentions them in the Quran Their stories are mentioned in the Quran For us to learn lessons from them So we're asking Allah To guide us to the straight path The path of those whom His favor is upon And as for uh, Also غَيْرِ الْمَغْضُوبِ عَلَيْهِمْ That's also the stories And not the path of those whom your anger is upon Nor those who are straight Because this is speaking about Ahl Kitab and their stories are mentioned in the Quran. And as for the Akam, the statement of Allah guide us to the straight path. The straight path consists of making salah. The straight path consists of paying zakat. The straight path consists of fasting in Ramadan, making hajj, biru walidain. All of the acts of ibadah. The rules and regulations of Islam, this is the straight path, the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's the religion of Allah. So you find each theme that the Quran covers present in Surah Al-Fatiha. So as a result of that, Surah Al-Fatiha is known as Umul Kitab, the mother of the book. So the hadith, which is known as the hadith of Jibreel, because at the end the Prophet says, فَإِنَّهُ Jibril أَتَاكُمْ يُعَلِيمُكُمْ دِينَكُمْ Indeed, he was Jibreel, he came to teach you your religion. So it's known as the hadith of Jibreel. But the scholars have described it as being Ummu Sunnah, the mother of the Sunnah. Why? Because the entire Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ returns back to this one hadith. Every aspect of the Sunnah, it branches off from this hadith. How is that? Because the Prophet said, فَإِنَّهُ It's Jibreel, he came to teach you your religion. Yani دينكم, your religion, it includes the Sunnah. And includes the teachings of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This hadith also deals with the different levels of the religion. Islam, Iman, Ihsan. Every muhsin Muhsin, the one who was on the level of Ihsan. Every Muhsin is a Mu'min and a Muslim. But not every Mu'min is a Muhsin, but every Mu'min is a Muslim. And not every Muslim is a Mu'min and a Muhsin. So just imagine three circles a small circle, which would be Ihsan. That's inside of a larger circle, which would be Iman, which is inside of a larger circle, which is Islam. So whoever's in the smaller circle, he's in the other two circles. So whoever is a Muhsin, he's a Mu'min and a Muslim. But a person who is in the circle of Iman doesn't necessitate he's in the circle of Ihsan, but he is in the circle of Islam. 
And everyone who is in the circle of Islam doesn't necessitate he's in the circle of Iman and Ihsan. So it shows that there are different levels of the religion. Which is an indication that not everybody's faith is the same. And this here is a refutation against the group called the Murjia. As the Murjia, their understanding that Iman is one thing. Either you have it all, or you don't have it at all. So if you're a person who drinks khamar, commits zina, it doesn't matter, you already have Iman, and that your Iman is similar to the Iman of Jibreel alayhi salam. This group has strayed from the understanding of the Prophet ﷺ when it comes to Iman. Their understanding is that as long as you have Iman in your heart, sins don't harm you. Sins don't harm. لا يدر ولا تدر المعصية مع الإيمان. This is their understanding. كما لا يدر الكفر مع الإيمان. They say, Sins don't harm you as long as you have faith. Just like, no, Afwan, Kama, uh, no, no, see, sins don't harm you as long as you have faith. Kama la yanfa al iman ma al kufr. That's the ibarah. Sins don't harm you as long as you have faith. Just as faith doesn't benefit you if you have kufr. Or just as a ta'a, that's the word, a ta'a. Kama a ta'a la tanfa. So this is their ideology. As long as you're a disbeliever, no matter what good you do, it doesn't benefit you. That's correct from an angle, meaning in the hereafter. As for in the dunya, Allah is just. The person, he's a disbeliever, he does good. Allah rewards him here in this world. But in the hereafter, there's nothing for the person. But now the statement, as long as you have faith, Sins can't harm you, that's a mistake. Because Iman Yazid Yankus, it goes up and down. Iman Yazid Yankus, it goes up, it goes down. Everybody is not on the same level of faith. Some people their certainty is stronger than others. Some people their tawakkul in Allah is stronger than others. Some people their love for Allah is stronger than others. You can't say that everybody who is a Muslim, everyone's faith is on the same level. It's not. This hadith teaches us that the deen is of different levels. You have the hadith also. We'll be covering this. Uh, the Prophet ﷺ said, Al-Iman bid'un wa si'tuna shu'ba. The Iman is 60-something branches. The highest branch of faith is the statement, And the lowest branch of faith is to remove something harmful from the road. And shyness is a branch of faith. Here the Prophet is showing that faith is different levels. So this aspect of understanding that we find with the Murjia, this is incorrect. And the Murjiyah themselves are of different groups. You have from them the extremists from the Murjiyah. And the extremists of the Murjiyah, they say that Iman is only acknowledgement of the heart. As long as the person acknowledges that Allah exists, the person is a, a full, complete believer. This is wrong. Iblis, he said, Rabbi, bima agwaitani. 
Iblis. He said, my Lord, because you have led me astray. Iblis described Allah as being his Lord. Iblis is a believer? <laughs> but according to them, Iblis would be a believer with complete iman because he acknowledges that Allah is his Lord. That shows you the falsehood of that understanding. And then you have those who say that iman is a statement without belief in the heart. This is incorrect. Why? Because that would mean, lahza, that would mean that the munafikun are believers. Because the munafikun say la ilaha illallah, but they don't believe it in their hearts. So that shows that's falsehood. Then you have the group they say, okay, iman is belief in the heart, statement of the tongue, but no actions. You have to do actions, but it's not a part of iman. And this is incorrect, because here in the hadith of Abu Hurairah, the Prophet said, in the lowest branch of faith is to remove something harmful for the road. That's an act. That's an act. So, barakallahu feekum, this hadith establishes that the religion is of different levels. The religion consists of actions that are outward. The religion consists of actions that are inward. Like the belief of your heart, this is the actions of your heart. So one cannot separate Actions from faith Or actions from the religion Doing good deeds is a part of the religion Doing good deeds is a part of the religion It is a part of faith Yes, yeah Afwan How much time is left? Five minutes Five minutes Inshallah we'll stop at this point Whatever is correct The praise is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone Whatever is incorrect, it is from myself. Wa subhanaka Allahumma wa bihamdik. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta. Astaghfiruka wa atubu